Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. The Dog Show is brought to you in part by All the Best Pet Care. You can find them online at allthebestpetcare.com to see where all of their now 10 locations are around western Washington. They have a new location in North Ballard on Holman Road. So if you're in that area, lucky you. Check it out. And the dog show is also brought to you in part by the Natural Pet Pantry, Seattle's original raw and cooked food for dogs and cats. You can find them online at naturalpetpantry.com. If you aren't feeding your dog and cat Natural Pet Pantry, you should be. And you can also find their wonderful food at all the best pet care locations. So two wonderful local companies that I adore and I'm so thrilled to be partnered with them. And we have a great show today, and uh, we've got a couple guests with us. We have Tim Percival back with us, and we had Tim in uh, several months ago talking about pet first aid and uh, disaster preparedness. And we also have Ruth Nielsen, who's a draft judge and trainer. And if you don't know what draft means, you'll find out today. And uh, we'll be talking about um, drafting and carting as a sport for dogs. And uh, kind of talking about a breed group that um, we haven't really talked too much about on the show yet, which is the working group, which is the, uh, you know, Bernese Mountain Dog, the Greater Swiss Mountain Dog, the Great Pyrenees, the Newfoundland, the St. Bernard, those guys. Um, So I'm looking forward to the show. I just have a few announcements before we get started. November 5th is the first National Animal Hospice Awareness Day. And uh, a few months ago, we had on Michelle Nichols, who's the founder of A-Help, Animal Hospice End-of-Life and Palliative Care Project. And um, it's uh, November 5th is the first National Animal Hospice Awareness Day. So that's cool. They have a, uh, A-Help has a animal caregiver support circle, November 9th. And then November 10th, they are hosting Kimothy Schultz, for a presentation about nutrition in aging and ill animals. And uh, it's looking like next week's show will actually have Kimothy on, and she's local, uh, relatively quite local, um, and an expert in animal nutrition, animal and human nutrition. So one of my favorite topics for sure. So hopefully we'll have Kimothy on the show next week, um, but her talk is on November 10th, and that's through A-Help. So you can find them at ahelpproject.org. A-H-E-L-P project.org. Great organization. The Dog Talk Show is changing its name, and I've announced this a few times. And uh, just to let you know again, we'll, we will be the dog show, and I just need to get used to saying that now. Slight adjustment. And, and you got to print up a whole bunch of new stickers. New stickers, yeah. yep. So uh, the dog show with Julie Forbes, and uh, we have some wonderful sponsors um, that we appreciate very much. All the best pet care, all the best food, treats, and toys for your dog and cat. You can check them out online at allthebestpetcare.com and uh, see where all of their nine locations are around western Washington. And I have a talk coming up on November 10th, Thursday night, at the Ballard uh, store which is right on Market Street. It's at 7.30 p.m., and it's called How to Get Your Dog to Do What You Ask. There you go. (laughs) 
Anything you ask? I mean, <laughs> a lot well, of us would probably like it if they did the dishes or right. You well, know, cleaned you know, up around the house, but depending on uh, how much you want to put into training, I think you can teach your dog how to do pretty much anything. All right. Especially finding that motivation. So, uh, really fun talk. I did a talk at their Redmond store uh, a little over a week ago. I think that was last Sunday, two Sundays ago. Um, was a lot of fun, and there's some great benefits otherwise to being there. So I recommend you show up in addition to the wonderful talk. And that is um, Thursday, November 10th at their Ballard location, which is on Market Street in Ballard. And that starts at 7.30 p.m. So I was at a um, seminar in uh, all about aggression, um, aggression in depth. It was a seminar with John Rogerson, who's a well-known um, animal behaviorist and trainer, he calls himself a trainer, um, and he's a British guy and uh, just amazing. So we, if we've got time left today, um, Tim and Ruth are going to join me in a conversation about some of the, the main stuff I took away from that seminar. And I'm always thinking out for my— That was kind of aggressive. <laughs> blow your ears out and, there. Yeah. Um, I'm always looking out for my, for my uh, fans, so I have, uh, grabbed a book, a copy of his book, The Dog Vinci Code. <laughs> and uh, he's wonderful. He's got some really creative, um, creative ideas. And I have a signed copy of that to give away today. So stay tuned to find out how you can win that copy. Okay, so uh, we have in the booth, which is always a treat, Tim Percival and Ruth Nielsen. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Thank Julie. You. Thanks for being here. And uh, Ruth is a draft judge and trainer, and Tim is a, a man of many hats. He's uh, the moderator for Seattle Draft Dogs. You can find them on Facebook, and they also have a Yahoo group. Um, but Tim also was on um, several months ago, and he's got the website LearnPetFirstAid.com, and we were talking about in that show pet first aid and uh, disaster preparedness. Um, so... So we're going to be talking uh, about drafting and what is drafting. So, Ruth, will you tell us what um, what drafting is as a sport? Um, you know, what are the dogs doing? Well, drafting started, uh, it was a, a working dog on a farm, and dogs pulled carts to assist the farmers, and that was something uh, for the Bernese Mountain Dog, which is one of the breeds that I have. The Swiss farmers use the dogs to pull a cart with milk or cheese to market or to do tasks around the farm, and that has developed into a sport for a number of the working breeds. The Bernese Mountain Dog Club of America has a test that is offered, and it's now open to all breeds of dogs, but the purpose of that test is to have the dog demonstrate in teamwork with the owner, maneuvering a cart and showing some of the skills that would have been required by a dog working on the farm. So the dog and the and the handler uh, work in a ring that's set up by the judges and they maneuver through obstacles and the dog has to stand on command and wait while the owner loads and unloads the cart and move through narrow areas and circle and turn. And then the second part of the test, the dog has to pull a certain amount of weight on a half-mile course. And that's typically in a park, and it's designed to show the dog's stamina and fitness. 
But it's all about teamwork and control and maneuvering the cart and showing the skill of the dog working with its owner. It's almost like a driving test. Well, the driving test, (laughs) yeah, exactly, driving a car. There (laughs) actually is a style of carting that's called driving where people ride in the cart and direct the dog as a passenger. (laughs) So there are some breeds that do that, or driving can also refer to working from behind the dog, so you're driving the dog ahead of you. So that might be sort of a um, cart version of, like, sledding. Well, it still is... uh, uh, it's it's really more a question of where the handler is in relationship to the dog, mm-hmm. uh, and it's for the tests that are offered for the working breeds. It's still more a control maneuvering as opposed to sledding, which uh, I'm, different I'm, movement, different movement. But the sled dogs are going long and hard, right? As opposed to circling, turning, yeah. and and making a lot of maneuvers on uh, different terrain, yeah. Okay. So, um, and now you have a Bernice Mountain Dog and a Newfoundland. Yes. I have, right now I have two Bernese Mountain Dogs and a Newfoundland. Yeah. And Tim has Greater Swiss Mountain Dogs. Correct. Yeah? I have two Greater Swiss Mountain Dogs. All right. Now these are all within the working group. If you're looking, if we're talking about the American Kennel Club. And uh, I was looking at all of the different descriptions of the histories of the different breeds. And it seems like you know, well, some of these breeds actually in their description were bred to do specifically this, and this is really what they were bred to do. And then a lot of them have a, a guarding background, and some of them even, what, and depending on what they're guarding, um, oftentimes flocks of sheep. Um, and that'd be like the Great Pyrenees. Yep. Anatolian Shepherd, um, Commodore, those guys were in the same group. Right. But... Um, One thing that I noticed that I thought was interesting, and I think a great thing to promote when we're talking about breeding, is that uh, uh, throughout the description of the carding, what I found was that the dogs really have to, I think there's a part of it where they have to greet a person. Yes. And be friendly. So part of their job description is not to guard the, the cart. It's absolutely not to guard the cart. In the Bernese Mountain Dog test, there is a specific exercise uh, where the handler and the dog approach a person that has a load. The dog stops and has to wait while the handler takes the load, loads the cart. They continue on maneuvering, and then at another point, they stop. The dog has to wait. I give, they give the load back, and the person pets the dog. And so the dog has to stay while being petted so it's actually a combination of friendliness and control the dog has to allow the the uh, person to pet them but they can't uh on their own volition go up and start nuzzling this person so or jump up and then spill the cart over exactly right exactly so friendly but not too enthusiastic friendly but on command from the owner they have to stay so a dog that decides oh i'm gonna go say hi and they don't listen to the owner and they go up and start nuzzling this friendly person. Unfortunately, that's not a passing performance. Yeah. Yeah. On the same note, they, they also have to be able to ignore that one of the other distractions that are in that's in there is a, some sort of distraction. And it might be dogs that are uh-huh. nearby. So they have to make sure that they stay on task and they don't run over to the dog or the squirrel right. or whatever, right. uh, pulling that car. Right. Following. Exactly. All the, yeah. Yep. 
with, I've seen dogs try to chase the squirrel up the tree, even hitch to the cart. So yeah. focus is very important. <laughs> yeah. Don't want to lose the whole load with the dog going after a squirrel exactly. or something. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk more with Tim Percival, moderator for Seattle Draft Dogs, and Ruth Nielsen, who's a draft judge and trainer. You're listening to The Dog Show on Alternative Talk 1150. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to Anti-Icky Poo, we cover the world of animals. This week, November 25th, it's Shelter, Rescue Sanctuary, and anything that helps our animal friends Sunday. We'll talk with our regulars and continue our discussion with the amazing Susan Beauregard from Joint Animal Services in Thurston County. Plus, just after Thanksgiving, we'll unleash the Jingle Cats and Jingle Dogs to serenade us through the holiday season. Martha Norwalk's Animal World Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. 1150 KKNW.com. It's why they invented the Internet. We think Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. I love my dog as much as I love for you. For you may think my dog will always come through. Welcome back to The Dog Show. I'm your host, Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. The Dog Show is brought to you in part by Invisible Fence Northwest. Invisible Fence for the life of your pet. Check out InvisibleFenceNW.com to learn about their indoor and outdoor solutions for both dogs and cats. Have you ever seen cats uh, drafting or carting? I bet on YouTube there's a video <laughs> of a cat doing just about anything. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, we're back with Ruth Nielsen, who is a draft judge and trainer. And Tim Percival, who is the moderator for Seattle Draft Dogs. Uh, they have a Facebook page and a Yahoo group. Welcome back. Thank you. So uh, we're talking about drafting. Now, are drafting and carting the same thing, or are they a bit different? I think most people use the terms interchangeably. I'd, I'd have a hard time saying what the difference is, so I'm not okay. going to try. All right. So um, we're talking about what it is and how it's, you know, Historically, a lot of these working breeds, especially Bernice Mountain Dogs, um, Swiss Mountain Dogs, were well. Part of what they did for us as people was to carry um, and, and cart uh, goods to a market, like milk and cheese and stuff like that, for the farmers. So we've taken that sort of original design and, and job description, and since. Most people, at least in the U.S., probably, although it, that you do say that it's still, dogs are still doing this in Europe. In Europe, that's yeah. my understanding. Yeah. Yes. Well, most people with Bernese Mountain Dogs, etc., in the states probably aren't using them really to carry goods to market and stuff like that. So, for those who are enthusiasts, um, we've developed this sport that you can actually let the dog give the dog an outlet for this, which I always recommend. Um, and uh, have the dog do really what it was intended to do, which is drafting and carting. Um, now, we've been talking about the working group, and if you want to look up what dogs are all in the working group and the different groups, you can go to the AKC website, American Kennel Club. It's akc.org. So we've been talking about uh, Tim has Swissies, so Swiss Mountain Dog, Greater Swiss Mountain Dog. You've got Bernice Mountain Dogs, or two Bernice Mountain Dogs? Two Bernice Mountain Dogs. And a in Newfoundland. Newfoundland. So, you know, and then there's when I was searching online and doing research about this, I found, you know, Great Pyrenees, Mastiffs, Leonbergers, Rottweilers, Newfies, St. Bernards, Dobies, a lot of these breeds that were the ones that came up. But any breed 
can do this. So if this is sort of speaking to you and you would love to, uh, you know, try your dog out on this, if any breed group. And uh, Ruth, you've seen some pretty interesting breeds actually compete. Well, I have. The uh, Bernese Mount Dog Club of America offers a test. Uh, there isn't one available through the American Kennel Club, but different breed clubs offer a test. And the Bernese Mount Dog Club test is now open to all breeds. And starting next year, the test will be open to mixed breeds that are registered with the American Kennel Club through their pet program. So if you have a dog that you think would enjoy doing this sport, uh, it's it's open to anyone. The weight that the dog has to carry on the freight hall at the novice level is 20 pounds, but I have judged a skipper key. This is a 12 to 14 pound dog that pulled 20 pounds on the freight hall, and I've seen uh, miniature poodles mm-hmm. pull 20 pounds. So uh, there's there's a place if your dog wants to do it, and I've seen I've seen pugs. Pulling little wagons just for fun. I haven't ever judged one in a test. I think the skipper <laughs> key's probably the smallest dog I've judged. But uh, I know there are small breeds that are very successful at it. And it's a, it's a fun sport to do that allows a lot of encouragement and very positive uh, ongoing relationship while you're testing. You can talk to your dog throughout the test, and it's very rewarding in that way. It doesn't... It's not like some competitions where you cannot give your dog ex- extra command or support. You can praise your dog throughout, and mm-hmm. that's really encouraging for a lot of dogs. Mm-hmm. And that's something, you know, the reason, one of the reasons why I encourage people to do stuff like this, whether it be carding or nose work or agility or whatever, depending on the breed group, you know, there's lots of breed-specific things as well, like earth dog and lure coursing. And, you know, I think that these uh, these types of activities are such a great way for people to really bond with their dog in a way that is really from the dog's perspective. Like if you ask the dog what would be a great way to bond, you know, they would probably say, well, I'd love to do something fun with you and work together. And, and when you can make it fun for the dog, one of the things that's different in the drafting, and I compete with my dogs in all different sports, in the draft test, you actually are competing for a longer period of time than any other event that I'm aware of. So when you're on the maneuvering course, that may take about 15 minutes. When you're on the freight hall, it's half an hour. That That's you're, half, you're there for half a mile with other dogs, and so you have to work with your dog being tested and evaluated for a much longer period of time than you do in other sports. I mean, agility, you're there for a minute. Obedience, you might be there for eight minutes, nine minutes. This is a lot longer than that. So you need to have that relationship, but the fact that you can talk to your dog and praise your dog the whole time is what makes it really special. That's what I enjoy. When I'm judging, I love to see the relationship that people have with their dogs. Mm-hmm. It's it's very cool. So what have you found? You've both worked with dogs and training dogs to do this. What have you found um, is the best way to motivate a dog to do this? Or maybe there's a few different ways depending on the dog. 
Well, I think it just depends on the dog, of course. But, you know, one is just your attitude, just like any other right. any other thing. Just make sure you have a good attitude. And, and it's, a, it's a fun thing, to, so don't get stressed about it. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if you get stressed, the dog will get stressed. And um, to get started, you know, getting started and then continuing are two different, completely different things. Uh, but, yeah, it's just a good attitude. And, you know, to get started, maybe maybe food and toys and um, to get them used to the yeah. pulling the cart. So if somebody with any breed of dog or mixed breed, um, one, how to do this, um, you recommend going through uh, Seattle Draft Dogs or through the Bernese Mountain Dog Club of Greater Seattle or either well, of them? Well, for the people who are local, the... Uh, there's a Seattle club, or it's actually a, a larger area, but there's a, a Bernese Mountain Dog Club in the Seattle area that puts on a clinic that helps people get started. And the nice thing about that clinic is that you are working with people who are very familiar with the sport who can help you. This is a great sport to have some assistance because getting your dog used to the cart and especially if you've never done it before, having somebody help you go through the steps, you need to get your dog familiar with the cart mm-hmm. before you can move on to any right. of the maneuvering stuff. And so this is something that's put on through the Bernice Mountain Dog Club of Greater Seattle, but it's open to all breeds. It's open to all breeds. Uh, there's a clinic that will be coming up next year. Uh, it, I, I think you can find out about it on the uh, club's website. Uh, Bernese Mountain Dog Club of Greater Seattle, bmdcgs.org. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, it's open to everyone, but it's something you have to register for in advance. And it's there's usually a nominal cost, but you also have to have somebody to help you mm-hmm. so that you can work through the various exercises of getting your dog accustomed to the car. Yeah. There's several different things that, that it takes for a dog to pull a cart. It's not just pulling a cart. They have to get used to the shafts next to them. They have to get used to pulling something. Right. They have to get used to the noise, the harness. Right. Every dog has difficulties with different aspects of it. So they do it step by step at at the clinic so that we get used to it. And I imagine if you just put a cart, attach a cart to a dog that's never experienced it, they're going to be like, what is behind me? I did did that (laughs) to my very first dog and it was not a pleasant experience. (laughs) Learn that one the hard way, huh? That yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it can also be really dangerous, right? Yeah, and you don't want to freak them out. I mean, the whole no. point is to do something fun, and you know, so yeah, and so learning how to do that, and to not just watch something on television and then try it yourself, but to actually go to um, some sort of clinic where there's people who are really familiar familiar with this, who can coach you, and also recognize what your dog needs, because I imagine someone who's a first timer won't necessarily even know what the dog needs. If you want to find out more about the sport, there is a book that you can uh, buy on DogWise, and the book is called Carding with Your Dog. You can buy that through dogwise.com, and it's a very detailed approach to the sport, teaching your dog. Uh, It talks a lot about general dog training principles, but it would be uh, worth looking at if you think the sport might be fun, but you don't know that much about it. Yeah. Well, uh, that's great. And um, so, again, Bernice Mountain Dog of Club of Greater Seattle, 
Um, there's also Seattle Draft Dogs. So if you are local, you can go through those two avenues. If you are listening from another state, um, probably getting in touch with a local breed club like the Bernice Mountain Dog Club or one of those um, breed group or breed specific clubs would probably be a good place to find a local group that is, you know, where people are experienced. I think the Bernese Mountain Dog Club of America has the most tests and is the most active in this sport. And if you're in another state, you can go to the Bernese Mountain Dog Club of America website, bmdca.org, and that lists uh, draft tests that are available all over the country, and it would help you get in touch with Bernese Mountain Dog Clubs in other areas just because these clubs are the ones that are very active in the sport. And again, this is where you would go even if you don't have a Bernese Mountain Dog, but you have another breed um, or even sounds like next next year, is it, You can, if you have a mixed breed? Mixed breeds. Yeah. So it, we're talking about referring you to the Bernese Mountain Dog Club, but that's if you have any breed of dog. Exactly. If you want to get into karting, it's a good place to go. This is the club that puts on the most tests, but it is open to all breeds. Now, if you really want to get creative, Canadian uh, uh Clubs put on draft tests as well, and those are also open to all breeds through the Canadian Kennel Club. And mm-hmm. and there are sometimes uh, tests in Vancouver that okay. are close for those of us in the Northwest. All right. And, and there are other clubs that do it. The, the Newfoundland Club here in Seattle, they, they yeah. do drafting quite a bit, and the Rottweilers. And, but yeah. like like Ruth said, the Burner Club is by far the, probably the most active. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll be talking more with Ruth, Ruth Nielsen, who's a drafting judge or draft judge and trainer, and Tim Percival with Seattle Draft Dogs. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes on Alternative Talk 1150. My dog a path on the same line And lately I'm thinking I might take his advice Specializing in spinal decompression, chiropractic, and physiotherapy. Dr. Justin Favreau and his team uses integrative, evidence-based treatments to provide his patients with comprehensive care that works with the body as a whole connected system. Director of the Advanced Rehabilitation and Wellness Center, Dr. Favreau would love to find a solution for your symptoms of pain, numbness, and tingling, headaches, allergies, fatigue, and general malaise. Contact Dr. Favro at 206-497-4962 or go to advancedrehabandwellness.com. That's advancedrehabandwellness.com. For home repair, remodel, and construction advice, ideas, and stories, tune into Constructing Whatever. With over 40 years of combined experience, hosts Tim, Lynn, and Anna talk about whatever. From important need-to-know topics, taking your questions, latest industry news, and a whole lot of personality. Start your weekend with us, Constructing Whatever, every Saturday at 10 a.m. This week, get your shopping on. Saturday at 10 a.m. Hi, I'm Christy Legale. On Sunday, November 25th, I'll be hosting a new radio program called Living Humane, a compassionate lifestyle program. From pet adoption and wildlife protection to animal law and vegan lifestyles, join us to learn how easy and rewarding it can be to live humanely. We'll be joined by guests from your favorite rescue groups and Seattle's best chefs and humane business owners every Sunday afternoon at 2 p.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. No shirt, no shoes, no problem. Come as you are. Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. 
Welcome back to The Dog Show. I'm your host, Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And we're back talking about drafting, also known as carting with dogs. We have draft judge and trainer Ruth Nielsen with us today and moderator for Seattle Draft Dogs, Tim Percival. And you can find them on Facebook. And uh, Seattle Draft Dogs also has a Yahoo group if you'd like to join that. So we're talking about um, the sport of carting and um, where dogs are pulling a cart and sort of recreating what they used to do some breeds of dogs were used used to do back in the day and still in Europe and maybe in the U.S. somewhere, um, but actually um, carting goods to the market. So farmers, milk and cheese, for example, load up the cart and even it sounds like um, send the dog. And in some cases, once the dog was that good, they would just go on their own. But mostly it sounds like they were accompanied. Yeah, it's. I've certainly heard stories that the dog, once they got used to the route, they'd load them up and send them off to the market. And and I I know I'd take my dogs. We cart from my house to my office, and they know where they're going. Do you sit in the cart? You know, I have had kids sit in the cart. Yeah, but I do haul mark. I haul things back from the market as opposed to taking things to the market. Yeah, so they go to. They go to the grocery store with us, and I, they wait outside with the cart, and we shop load your and groceries up. load the groceries nice. up, and they pull it home. Yeah. There was a um, sort of off-topic, but not really. There was a story about a golden retriever in Maine that uh, developed her own job of uh, her owners. Oh, she lived on a golf course. I think her owners were the owners of the course or something, and she um, used to carry the key, the golf cart keys. She was like the valet. Hmm. She'd carry the golf cart keys back into the clubhouse for the people so that they could just continue to the parking lot and didn't have to go basically check their car in, their th- cart. That's fantastic. Yeah, I think great. that I can totally see she that. She just did it on her own, too. I mean, I think one guy one day just kind of handed her the keys to see what she would do. And, and now you can't, unless she's tired, unless it's been a busy day and she's tired, you can't keep her. I mean, that's what she's there to do, and she loves it. You can reward the dog for something inadvertently or intentionally, and they're going to do it again. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, and it's just, it's part of what is so missing in, you know, I think to generalize in the human dog relationship is having dogs actually doing something for us. I mean, we tend to think that all we need to do is just give them all the love in the world and they're going to be happy. And it's not the case, especially when, I mean, really with any dog, but especially with a dog that's really got a strong work ethic and need to work. I mean, they just, in some case, I mean, in working with training and behavior, I just see dogs that are going crazy. They're beside themselves because they don't ever have to do anything. I I get to take my dogs to work with me, and I feel very fortunate. But I see dogs that are left home all day, and I think, no wonder. They're bored. They're they're out of their minds. Mm -hmm. They want something to do. Yeah, They're bred to have a purpose. Yeah. You know, they they were bred to work, and so yeah, I think it's important for them to do something. And it's something for people to consider when they're looking at getting a dog. If they're going the pure breed route or even mixed breed, what what is the dog mixed with? I mean, I have two Australian cattle dogs, and you know, it's another part time job for us just to keep those dogs' energy needs met, mm-hmm. both mental and physical, because they're supposed to be working all day, hard work on a farm, and that's really what they're designed to do. And they're higher drive herding breed them as individuals, their higher drive. So, um, you know, I think people get 
dogs and they think, you know, I think a husky is a great example because of the UW's beloved mascot and University of Washington huskies and all that sort of stuff. And then especially college students, I'm going to get a husky. And it's like, well, this dog's really capable of running 80 miles in front of a sled. So are you going to be able to meet that? You know, an hour long leash walk is not even going to touch the tip of the iceberg for that one. So, Well, I certainly know when people talk to me about getting a dog and what kind of dog they want. And I ask them, how much time are you planning to spend with the dog and what are you going to do with the dog? And if they are super busy and they're not going to have a lot of time for the dog, boy, I Get sure, a cat. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> there's stuffed dogs. But I try yeah. to steer my friends away, especially from super active, high energy dogs. Mm-hmm. They want a job. They absolutely want a job. And at the same time, if you get one of those dogs, you don't want to just automatically say, oh, well, it can go drafting. It can go herding. And expect them to do it right out of the gate. Yeah. You know, they have to work up to it and they need the training. So you're going to have to invest some time into it. Yeah, that's a good point on the flip side. If you're really wanting to, I mean, I know from my own experience with the herding, some of the dogs have a more of a desire to do it and more of a drive to do it. And other dogs are, yeah, you know, so if you're really wanting to do it, <laughs> make sure that you're getting a dog that's up for it. But it sounds like, I mean, it's really about finding the motivation. So, and I think the best way to motivate a dog is through the relationship. With most dogs, um, you know, they're really motivated by that interaction and that we don't really need to use, I think in this country we've gotten so food focused and food can be certainly helpful as a way to mark a reward and and kind of put punctuation on, on kind of the point that you're wanting to make to the dog. But it shouldn't be the primary or only motivator with anything. I mean, obedience training, anything, I think food can help. But when we just rely on it, the dogs really aren't working for us. They're just working for the food. And then if you don't have the food there, dog's like, well, where's the food? Well, I think that was one of the things that I was uh, alluding to when I talked about the amount of time that the dog has to work in a draft test. And when I am judging, I can see the dogs that don't really have the relationship or the understanding of their job because five or six or seven minutes into the competition, they kind of stop and they start looking at the owner and you can pretend to have a treat and that might get you through the next two or three minutes. But boy, there's a point where if the dog really doesn't enjoy doing it and they're not motivated by the praise that you can give them, they're going to stop working. Mm-hmm. And you've got a half an hour where that dog's going to be pulling a cart. And if they are relying on you to pop a cookie in their mouth in order to keep going, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, that's one of the things that was a common theme or a frequent theme in the seminar that I was in last weekend with John Rogerson. And this was in Olympia. And he's... um He's been in this field for 40 years, and he's a British guy, and he's just wonderful. He's got great great perspectives and creative ideas. And so the the whole seminar was focused on aggression, uh, dog aggression in depth, both dog to dog and, and dog to human. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I bet most people, if, if I said what would you think was one of the main things that he talked about, one of the things that one of the points that he made over and over and over again in working with people with their dogs is the importance of having a relationship with the dog, the human, and that the best way to do that is 
to play. And that a lot of people, I think, either for some reason are told or think that they're not supposed to play with their dogs because they may be too focused on this whole dominance model and, oh, I got to be the dog, I got to be the pack leader. And, you know, and there's this sort of uh, disconnect there. And that's not really, you know, dogs aren't wolves. You know, there's certainly some parallels, but um, it's not as dominance-based as I think we tend to think. And um, and really to, to play, play with toys. So just to, just to clarify there, not not necessarily wrestling with your dog's teeth on your skin, but really getting the dog into toys and playing with toys. And then when you're starting to work on behavioral issues or you're trying to find that motivation when you have that relationship with your dog, that really strong relationship, it just makes it so much easier or possible at all to work through issues even like aggression because you can actually use that. Well, I think one of the things that I've found, Julie, in working with my dogs and and other people that I train with is that regardless of what the motivator is, whether it's a food or a toy or whatever, when you see it's really working is when the dog is turned on by you. And I I find that to be the most incredibly rewarding thing in the world because I may use those tools to build the relationship, but then the relationship is what turns the dog on. The dog is saying, hey, I want to work with you. What are we doing today? Right. You show me because I want to be with you. Yeah, and because what we're doing is fun. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's fun because they're with you. Yeah. I mean, when you talk about scent detection or cadaver dogs, uh, for example, one of the questions, uh, Trace Sargent was a woman that I interviewed. She's in Georgia um, about cadaver dogs. And um, one of the questions I had where I kind of figured I had a sense for the answer, but I didn't know for sure because I don't really know much about cadaver dogs. But it was like, does it take an emotional toll on the dogs to be finding dead, you know, people who are dead or remains? And she said no, because they just think they're looking for their toy because they've just attached a scent, the scent of decomposing flesh uh, to their favorite toy. And that's the motivator for the dogs to look and look and look and look and look is because they think that they're getting their toy and they find it. And oh, wonderful. And, you know, I think they're probably trained with the scent that's not recognizable as uh, an actual body. Um, and so, you know, having that fun be the primary motivator. And I've heard uh, John's done some work with military dogs as well. And he said that like um, bomb detection or mine dogs, he said that they're not, they used to use shock collars with these dogs. They're not using them at all anymore because they said that they've found that the dogs work much better when they're motivated with, with fun, with the relationship. So, now it's something to that was one of the main thing themes about that. And uh speaking of of John Rogerson, I do have a book that I had him sign and that I'm gonna give away. So stay tuned. We're gonna take a quick break. Um, but stay tuned to find out how you can uh have a chance to win that. You're listening to the dog show with Julie Forbes on Alternative Talk eleven fifty. To my dog on wheels, I tell my fashions and woes. To my dog on- 
For more than 25 years, All the Best Pet Care has been helping people choose the best foods, treats, and toys for their dogs and cats. They are a locally owned family business bringing about little miracles every day by following the Mother Nature model of nutrition. Stop by to meet their adoption cats, schedule an anesthesia-free dental cleaning, or bring your dog to the toy testing area. Visit their new store in Edmonds next to the PCC and their expanded Redmond store in the Whole Foods Plaza. To learn more, go to allthebestpetcare.com or follow them on Facebook. Do you have an injury, old or new, that won't heal? Are you fighting a cold or illness you can't kick? Do you feel like you've tried everything and are still struggling to find wellness and balance in your physical health? Have you been unimpressed with acupuncture in the past? For over a decade, Robert Meduzia has been making a difference for people who thought they had exhausted their options. Don't settle for pain and illness. Call 425-828-6190. That's 425-828-6190. Again, 425-828-6190. The Acupuncture and Sports Clinic of Kirkland. Heal faster, play longer. Independent programs, independent voices, independent ideas. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And you're listening to an encore edition of The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Julie will be back next week. Happy Thanksgiving from all of us here at The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. And a reminder, since this airing of the uh, show or this edition of the show is from last year, any contest during the show will have already expired. Welcome back to The Dog Show. I'm your host, Julie Forbes, and we are back talking about drafting, also known as carting, with your dog. Uh, we're talking with Ruth Ruth Nielsen, who's the draft judge and trainer, and Tim Percival, who's the moderator for Seattle Draft Dogs. You can find Seattle Draft Dogs on Facebook as well as their Yahoo group. And uh, the best place to go, um, other than Seattle Draft Dogs, especially if you're local, um, to find out more about how you might be able to get your dog involved, regardless of breed, would be the Bernice Mountain Dog Club of Greater Seattle and that's bmdcgs.org, so just the acronym for that. Uh, and I'll post these web- these uh, links on the Dog Talk Show website as well, and you can find us online at dogtalkshow.com, and we also have a Facebook fan page, which is, um, which is a fun way to find out who's on that next week, to find out about if there's a giveaway, and so it's a really fun way to interact uh, with me and, and the show and guests um, in between shows. So that's uh, the Dog Talk Show Facebook fan page as well. So uh, we were just talking about motivation and off when during the break, Tim made a really great point that uh, pe- people think that it's love at first sight when they meet a dog or that, and that, that may be true to a degree, but that doesn't mean that there's a great working relationship built and that that's something that does take some time. So it's is that, did I basically say your yeah, thought there? Yeah, that's basically yeah. what I was saying. Yeah. And um, a lot of people, too, like, oh, yeah, well, I have a great relationship with, with my dog. And, well, what, if if we asked your dog that, what would your dog say? And that kind of comes back to the play and, and the interaction. And, you know, do you work with your dog? Do you play with your dog? Is your dog a part of your life, a participating part of your life? And I think dogs just want to be a part of our lives because that's how they've really evolved with us. And why they've done so well was that we really needed them for a lot of different things. And now it's kind of all emotional for us anyway. It's also another thing to think of as their age. You know, with with maturity, they're going to 
they're going to be a different dog too. Sure. I know that's had an impact on me as a human maturity. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so I have a book and uh, a book, a copy of John Rogerson's book, the dog Vinci code. That's autographed copy that I would like to give away to a lucky listener, but you don't have to call in to win it. I just want you to email me. So I will give people probably a week to email um, up until the next show, so Tuesday, and uh, email me host at dogtalkshow.com. That's host at dogtalkshow.com. Email me and tell me that you would like that book. It's called The Dog Vinci Code, and it's by John Rogerson. I have an autographed copy to give away. And so I'll take all the emails and put them in a hat and pick one. So you don't have to be the first or the third. Just uh, email me. And for those of you who listen to the podcasts, after the fact, this will give you some time to get your email in. And then I will uh, pick a winner and get that copy out to you. It's an autographed copy of The Dog Vinci Code by John Rogerson. And he is excellent. Now, Ruth has a wonderful story. I want to make sure that we have time for you to tell this about um, two of your dogs. Well, this is actually, it's a, it's somewhat about carding, and it's really about relationship. But uh, I had a Bernese Mountain dog named Winter who was not, uh, he was a little on the shy side. He was a very soft dog, and I worked very, very hard to do things with him because that built my relationship with him. He was not, um, he didn't take to carding as quickly as some of my other dogs, and I thought, well, should I keep doing this with them? And I thought, really, this is how I develop a relationship with my dogs is to keep working with them. So we worked through it. He got his titles, and he did a great job. When he uh, became an older dog, 9, 10 years old, he ended up with a disease that caused rear-end paralysis, and I actually put him on wheels. And I thought, boy, I'm really glad I taught this dog to cart because it totally saved his life. He spent the last two and a half years of his life on wheels and he enjoyed it. He went hiking and backpacking and herding, did all of the things that he had done with wheels. Second part of the story is as he got more debilitated, he had to be on four wheels and we need to pull him. And then I thought, well, I've got another dog, Tonka, who's also a carding dog. I'm going to hitch Tonka to winter. So Tonka pulled Winter, and for the last six months of Winter's life, Tonka pulled him every day. We'd go for walks half a mile or more, and these two dogs with tails wagging, both smiling, Winter on wheels, Tonka pulling him, and it was it was a relationship for all three of us, and it was a really special thing for me, and I thought this is, I think, a unique use of carding, but it was a real highlight of mm. my relationship <clears throat> with my dogs. What an easy transition for Winter, who was used to carting, and then to have to sort of cart his hind end, his own hind exactly. end around. He was like, oh, okay, this is just kind of an it. adjustment. <laughs> he got it. Yeah. And then for my other dog to pull him, that I thought, wonder if he'd do it. And boy, they both just kind of lit up. And I thought, this is hysterical. I don't know of anybody else who's done it, but dog... One dog pulled the other dog, and and it was uh, it was pretty wonderful. Yeah, and uh, I just love the idea of of just because it would be cute and probably fun for them too. But little dogs, because what came to mind for that was when we're talking about dogs having to be on wheels when with uh, when they are um, 
paralyzed as dachshunds and corgis and some of those long-backed breeds that are really prone to having back problems. What a great thing to just for fun when, you know, when they're younger and able to just teach them carding. And then if, if they, hopefully they won't, but if they do get to the place where they need to be on wheels, it'll be like, oh, no problem. All right. I can just cart around my hind end now. And I think part of it is just how adaptable dogs are. Mm -hmm. We can give them a good quality of life. There's a lot of ways that we can enhance their lives. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's just so much out there. And this Seattle area, you know, western Washington, even probably the northwest, we're so dog crazy out here. And there's, I mean, you can find anything locally, drafting, carting, earth dog, lure coursing, herding, dock dogs, whatever. You know, it's all here. So agility, nose work. I mean, you can keep going and there is, is just stuff actually you don't have to drive very far to do it. And that's such a uh, a gift of living out here as a dog enthusiast is that it's like, take your pick. I mean, well, what kind of dog do you have? What does your dog like to do? Okay, well, go do that with your dog. And you'll notice such a huge difference in in your dog's experience of life. You know, one of the things that John Rogerson said this weekend Again, this the seminar was about aggression, but one of the things that he said is, you know, on a daily basis, how many things does your dog have to look forward to? You know, ask yourself that question. Oh, gosh, not much. If that's the answer, then, I mean, you know, and you're having behavioral trouble, you know, that would be one of the first places to start would be, you know, is your are, are, does your dog have an outlet for its energy? Whatever that might look like, whatever that fit might be for you and your dog and even little dogs. So, um, you know, definitely encourage you to to kind of look at that and, and really and play with your dog. I mean, one of the things, too, that he said is with shelter dogs, when volunteers come and take them for walks, he said, you know, I think it would also be a great program to have people go and actually sit in, in the runs with the dogs that could handle it and play with them or read them a book or, you know, massage them or, and have that interaction, not just a disconnected walk, you know. So, um I want to make some announcements again. Um, uh, two, if you want to win a free copy of John Rogerson's book, The Dog Vinci Code, I have an autographed copy to give away. You just have to email me, host at dogtalkshow.com. Tell me that you'd like the book, and then I will draw randomly a an emailed address, and if you win, I'll, I'll reply to you. Um, so that's host at dogtalkshow.com. You can also find us on Facebook. If you've missed any part of this interview or would like to listen to any of our 150 or so interviews, you can go to the website, dogtalkshow.com, podcast page, and they're all there, and you can just play from your computer. Just make sure you have sound. You can also go to iTunes and download us for free as a free audio podcast. Just search for the Dog Talk Show, and then you can take us with you on your MP3 player or iPod. Um, Also, too, November 10th, Thursday, I'm doing a free talk at All the Best Pet Care how to get your dog to do what you ask. I would love to see you there. There's lots of perks to being there in addition to the talk, so I encourage you to show up. That's at the Ballard the Ballard store, 7.30 p.m., Thursday, November 10th, All the Best Pet Care, and you can find them online, allthebestpetcare.com. Thank you so much, Ruth and Tim, for being here. It was a pleasure talking to you about drafting and carting, and uh, thanks for listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes on Alternative Talk, 1150. Thanks. Thank you. And you've been listening to an encore edition of the Dog Show with Julie Forbes, brought to you by all the best, all the best 
Pet Care, and the Natural Pet Pantry. Tune in again next week at this time when Julie Forbes returns live with another episode of The Donk Show. Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different proteins to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their Burien shop, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your home. Natural Pet Pantry will even work with your vet to custom blend a prescription diet for your pet's unique needs. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. Natural Pet Pantry. It just makes sense. This is Julie Forbes, dog training, behavior, and nutrition specialist and owner of Sensitive Dog, thoughtful guidance for you and your dog. If your dog needs basic obedience training, a behavior evaluation, or food consultation, I can help you. Call me at 206-372-7399 or visit my website, www.sensitivedog.com. I teach group obedience classes, in-home lessons, and evaluations, and a two-week intensive training program called Higher Education. Again, I'm Julie Forbes, Seattle's dog behavior training and nutrition specialist, www.sensitivedog.com. Camly Electric Incorporated is a full-service electrical contractor. From simple home repairs to full remodels, new construction, and small commercial projects, our qualified electricians do it all. We pride ourselves on our workmanship and professional standards, delivered with value in mind. Located in historic Ballard, Kemley Electric serves the greater Seattle metropolitan area, licensed, bonded, and insured. Kemley Electric welcomes all inquiries about your electrical needs. Visit the website kemleyelectric.com. That's K-E-M-L-Y electric.com. Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair discusses issues that are important to you, like good health and well-being, finding a new job and building your business, overcoming life's big challenges and making sense out of chaos, and living with passion and joy. Join us Mondays at noon Pacific for Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. See conversationslive.net for show schedule and guest information. Every generation needs a voice. And on Mondays at 2 p.m. here on Alternative Talk 1150, Lewis Howard's show, Head of the House, is the voice for the 20s, 30s, and 40s. Head of the House brings education, insight, and information that brings health and healing to the challenges of managing your home relationships and your career tune in once and you will be hooked that's head of the house every monday at 2 p.m here on alternative talk 1150